so not too long ago on social media, I put out a post saying, what are the things that suck the energy right out of you and right out of your life? What are the energy? Andrea, sorry. Yeah. I know we discussed this before. I'm just going to assume you didn't hear me. I have selective hearing. just feel like now that you have your doctorate, it's time to take things up a notch, look more pastorally. So I found your robe when we were moving your office and I brought it with me. It doesn't have the doctorate stripes on the sides. Well, you know, it'll, it'll also blend, you know, it, I, I just think it'll just make you look more professional, more pastorally, more more professional, more holy. Yeah, more holy. More, more holy. You know, bring it up a notch. So. I need to be holy. Thanks, Andrea. Thank you. I appreciate You're it. You're so welcome. Sorry. It's cumbersome. That looks great. Thank you. I'm glad you think so. It would cut down on having to worry about what to wear, what's forgiving and not forgiving. I know y'all think about that out there. I can't even get the stupid things zipped. And I did have a wedding yesterday that I wore it at. Okay. Do I look like a preacher? Yes. Holy. Holy. Do I look holy? Good. Something needs to help that happen. All right. Well, we're going old school today here at West. So why not? Why not just go all out? I think this morning, instead of reading the scripture the way that I'd planned to, I had a couple of verses up on the screen. Um, I think I'd like to read from, if I'm going to go all holy and traditional, I'd like to read from the King James Bible. So I'm going to use one of my favorite apps, Bible Gateway. And if we're going to do this, we're going to do it right. So it's going to impact you all the way around. Would you please stand for the reading of the gospel? I'm not kidding, really. Uh, (laughs) That's what they do in traditional churches, okay? So today we are going to be talking about energy vampires. And believe it or not, this is in scripture. Uh, We're going to talk about what approval addiction does to us today. And we are going to talk about um, how we can please people, what we do to please people, how we need to stop doing that, and how God plays a part in that as well, okay? (sighs) The reading of the gospel. We're taking this from Matthew 10. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, yet into any city of the Samaritans, enter ye not. As ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, so therefore freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses, nor script for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, neither staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. And into whatsoever city or town ye shall enter, inquire who it is in worthy, and there abide till you go thence. And then ye shall come into the house and salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whatsoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, when you depart out of the house or city, shake off the dust off your feet. 
Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. The word of God for the people of God. Very good. You're still up on your traditional worship. Very good. You may sit down. That was a little, um, that didn't feel very good, reading the scripture that way. Did you understand it? Okay. Not really me either. Um, The good news is, I've studied that passage a couple of times, and Michelle, I'm sorry to break it to you, my little energy vampire, but um, I'm not wearing this because it feels very inauthentic, and um, I hope my holiness will uh, be able to pervade despite the preacher robe not wearing. Now, we've done some silly things this morning to talk about people-pleasing and shown you some energy vampires. But actually, this is the one that you voted for the most uh, via social media when I asked, what are some of the energy vampires that you have in your life? Apparently, we all struggle with a need for approval and pleasing people. Do you know that our teens and our children have this thing called the Century Club? And no, it's not the Mile High Club. It's the Century Club. And what that means is if they put a post on social media and it does not get a hundred likes. Do you know what they do with it? Answer me, please. They delete it. Yeah. I mean, I'd never post anything on Facebook unless it's a picture of my my kids, but that is true. Uh, You can ask some of the teenagers in our midst. They put a post on social media and then they watch to see how many people like it. And if they don't hit 100 likes, a, a lot of them, they will take it back down. We live in a society and in a world where we wanna please other people. And the passage that I read out of the King James Version, uh, what was happening there is this is early in Jesus's ministry and they are getting ready to go preach that the kingdom of God is at hand. This kingdom of heaven is here and now and you know they were gonna go heal, heal the sick and feed the poor and all those wonderful things that Jesus did. And at first they were focusing on the lost sheep of Israel. So Jesus really wanted to teach, hey, there's a, there's a new way of, of following God and loving God and having God infiltrate all of our lives. So he's saying, you know, don't, don't focus right now on the Samaritans and the Gentiles. And he ends up changing that later on. But this was at the very beginning of his ministry. And then he, he gives them all these things that they should do when they go into the house of of some of the people of Israel. And the thing that I think is most interesting to note, and it's something that we need to hold on to in our lives, is that at the very end of that, after he goes in the house and, and they experience this, guess what? Not everybody liked them. In fact, a lot of people didn't like them. So what does Jesus tell the disciples to do? He says, look, if you go and you do this and you share this great message that we're bringing into the midst and that the kingdom of God, love is here and that love can live in each of us, if they don't want that and they don't receive that, then wipe the dust off your feet and go on your way. 
I want you to ask yourselves for just a few minutes. I know that in prepping for this message and this series, I had to do a lot of soul searching for myself. And actually, people-pleasing is one of the things that ministers and staff people of a church really struggle with because guess what? We are here on some level to please you. Now, there's a fine line between pleasing you and pleasing God. And, you know, at the end of the day, we have to be true to who we believe that God calls us to be. But, at you know, truthfully, if you really are bored and you're sleeping through the sermons and not getting anything out of them, you will not come back. You won't give your money. You won't support the missions and the ministries that we stand for. And guess what? Pretty soon, there's no church. There are situations, I guarantee you, that you face in your life that are very similar to the situations that I face in mine. Whether it's a family member that has some really high expectations for you as a son or a daughter or a spouse. Um, There are all kinds, or a parent, there are all kinds of expectations that we always bring into relationships with other people. And then when the other person doesn't measure up to our expectations, we get frustrated and then conflict happens. So many times, people pleasers are so averse to conflict. They don't ever want there to be any conflict or anything bad. So what they do is is they just end up going along with them no matter what. And you know what happens when we try to please everyone? We end up pleasing no one. When we try to please everyone, we end up pleasing no one. Uh, A friend of mine that was in his first appointment, and what that means is it's the first church he had ever been sent to to serve as a holy pastor, and he wore the black preacher robe and all that kind of stuff, and they experienced phenomenal growth under his leadership. He was a dynamic preacher. He didn't use notes. He would get up there, and he he would tell them where he was in his life and how it related to them, and then how God was calling them, and and it was just, it was a powerful time in the life of that church. They grew from like 100 to 400 in no time, and then they were going to do this building plan, and they were going to build on to their very small chapel-like sanctuary. And so my friend, he was a rookie. He was green. He'll tell you that today. He said, you know, once we got into that building plan, it seemed like everybody had an opinion. And all these people wanted to go to lunch with me. So they would invite me to go to lunch and I would sit and I would listen to them and they would tell me what their vision for the building and and the next steps for this church was and I would find myself going, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, that, that sounds like a great idea. And then the next week, another faction in the church, they would invite him to lunch and a couple of people would take him and they'd lay out this other vision and it would be contrary to the first one and he said, you know, I always felt like I was caught I always felt like I was caught and nothing I would ever do would be right. So what did I do? Well, I just changed what I said. And with this group, I would be this way. And with this group, I would be this way. And then with this group, I would be this way. Now, eventually, when we do that, guess what happens? They all end up talking to each other at some point, or you go into a meeting where you have to like really say who you are and what you believe. And it ended up that instead of making everybody happy, he made no one happy. He didn't stay at the church very long. He ended up moving. And then after he moved, the church, uh, they, they weren't really grounded in their core values. And so people stopped coming to church. And then 
the church started to falter and it took them a really, really, really long time to build back up to where they once had been. All because my friend was a people pleaser. You know, lots of times in life when we try to please, when we try to please people, the people that are putting the demands on us and, and want us to please them, sometimes they're, they're just never going to be happy no matter what we do. So this morning as we talk about this and as we look at what faith has to say about this and how God is with us even in times of people pleasing, I really want you to search your own lives just as I have done and am doing. Where are you a people pleaser? Because guess what? If we don't stop trying to please everybody else and living our lives for everybody else, then the joy that we're called to have and the peace and the the hope that we're called to have, it won't be there anymore. Because people-pleasing is indeed an energy vampire and it will suck the life right out of us because you're never going to make everybody happy all of the time. In my reading for this, I read that uh, one person said, you know, the only time everybody in the room will be happy and pleased with you is at your funeral. And when I read that, I thought, well, that's interesting. With my luck, at mine, there'd probably be somebody that still disagreed with me, but they came to support Scott or the kids. But, I mean, really, think about it. We're not called to make each other happy. We're called to live into being who God has called us to be. In the early church, after the early church started, after the death and the resurrection of Christ, they were dealing with the same kinds of things that you and I deal with today. And so Paul, the Apostle Paul, who's responsible for so many of our writings in the New Testament, he was writing a letter to his mentee, Timothy, and he was telling him, you know, look, I'm not there with you right now. And my soul grieves. I I think of the tears that you and I have shed together, tears of joy and and tears of sadness, and, and I miss you. But I want you to remember one thing. I want you to remember who you are and and whose you are. Remember that God has equipped you for this. You've been empowered with God. And then he says this verse. And this is the verse that I would like for us to, to hold on to today. God did not give us a spirit that is timid, but one that is powerful, loving, and self-controlled. I I do want you to read that with me, actually, because I want this to be something that we hold on to in the days ahead. Will you read it with me? God didn't give us a spirit that is timid, but one that is powerful, loving, and self-controlled. So we've got this power And we're created in God, so we're created in love. And we have this thing called self-control. And, you know, sometimes we exercise self-control so we don't say inappropriate things or, or do inappropriate things. But what if we start imposing self-control on ourselves so that we end up being happier and more full of joy? And that will come if we stop trying to please everybody. Will you clap if you think you are a people pleaser? Clap if you know of someone that is a people pleaser. 
So probably each of us either struggles with this a little or we know of someone that struggles with it. And, and trust me, it is exhausting. I told you about my friend. He ended up moving on to a new appointment because he couldn't make anyone happy. What if we take that power that God has given us and what if we realize that we're not here to make everybody happy. We're here to be who God has called us us to be and created us to be and that we each are wonderfully made. We all have great characteristics in ourselves that oftentimes we don't see and we don't embrace. We beat ourselves up. Oftentimes people pleasers have low self-esteem and they they get a higher self-esteem by making other people happy so they try to you know garner their own happiness by getting it from others Uh, research also shows that people pleasers sometimes live in abusive relationships or have grown up in abusive relationships and and they're always trying to just bring something that will bring peace to the situation. So it becomes this perpetual cycle because if you're in a non-healthy, emotional, abusive relationship and you keep trying, it doesn't work because the other person isn't healthy. And so you end up in this cycle that just goes on and on and on. It's time for us to break the cycle of people-pleasing and it's time to be true to who God has called us to be. When we give God the power that God deserves and God is, if we're focused on God, then we're not focused so much on the other people. But if we're focused on the other people and we're focused on making them happy, then guess what? We can't be focused on God. And that's a a powerful dichotomy. We can't live with a foot on both sides of the fence. We have to be all in. In one of the Proverbs, it says, Our fear of keeping other people happy will hold us captive if we aren't careful. Our fear of keeping everybody happy will hold us captive if we're not careful. So how do we stop being a people pleaser then? Well, there are some questions that we can ask. Number one, why am I doing this? Am I doing this because, you know, I'm, I really want to do this and I really believe in what I'm doing? Or am I doing this just to make them happy? And then... Is, is my not doing this going to hurt anybody? I mean, we're called to be people of love, right, and self-control. So I do think it's important for us to ask ourselves because lots of times people do make requests of us. And as followers of Christ, we're called to be sacrificial, right? So how do we know where we need to be sacrificial and, and where we really need to, you know, take a step out and follow Jesus? Well, when we say no, I think we need to ask ourselves, is saying no going to hurt somebody else? And if the answer is no, then by all means, don't feel guilty for not doing it. But if you find yourself in a situation that somebody else needs you, but you don't have in you what they need, then find other resources. One of the things that is gut-wrenching to me is when folks write and tell me of their financial, uh, their financial constraints and they ask if we can help with, with rent or heating or electricity. And if they're a part of the West community, we always do everything we can. That's what that pastor's discretionary fund is used for, uh, to give a little bit of assistance. Or if people need counseling, we, we try to get them to counsel. But sometimes, you know, the budget doesn't add up. It's the end of the quarter. We've already spent the money that's been allocated for that and it it rips my soul out 
But guess what? I mean, you can't get, if forgive the old person analogy, you can't get blood from a turnip. I said that to my kids the other day and they just looked at me like I had grown seven heads. They had no idea what I was talking about. But I couldn't provide what they needed, but I knew other people that could. So when you're trying to make that decision, uh, do I need to please them and, and what do I need to say to this situation? If you can't do it, maybe help them find somebody else that can. And the third thing is ask yourself, you know, is it okay to say no? And if the answer is yes, then do it. Say no. The first year, if you get our devotions, you'll read this later on this week. We're sending devotions every day, um, Sunday through Thursday. They go along with the message series. This is part of one later this week. When I first started ministry at Williamson's Chapel, uh, the first year, the senior pastor told me that we need to go to all the Christmas parties. Now, Williamson's Chapel was not as big then as it grew to be when we served there, but I had no idea how many United Methodist women's circles, Sunday school classes, youth groups, and everything else had a Christmas party. So I'm like, yeah, I love Christmas. I really do. It's my favorite holiday. I'm like, and I love Christmas party food. So I'm like, I'm all in. I'm going to go to every single, you know, party. And oh my gosh, first of all, we had to hire so many babysitters because our our kids were really young then, and, and they didn't have kids at all the parties. And secondly, by the end of the month, Scott's like, I've had a lot of church. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, have you checked our calendar retrospectively? I said, no. What, what do you mean? He goes, do you realize that every Friday, every Saturday, and every Sunday for the past month, we've had church? He said, Andrea, we haven't seen our kids. I think we need to think through that next year. So the next year came and the same, you know, foundation existed. The senior pastor said, I really think we need to, you know, go to all the Christmas parties. And, and you know, I have this innate desire to please my boss. But I also have this spouse who had already said, I'd had enough church by the end. And I also had these two kids that needed like some family traditions during the holidays. And so I went and I sat down with my boss and I said, you know, look, here's the deal. And I explained it to him. And you know, sometimes when we stand up to the situations that we want to be people pleasers for and in, we find that the results are not nearly as bad as we think they're gonna be. He told me two parties that if I did not show up, it would not bode well for me in the year ahead. One was the senior adult Christmas party. Everybody on staff goes to the senior adult Christmas party. You go every year and you are very happy about it. And so Scott and I showed up at that party. And the other was one of the, of the Sunday school classes. And those two instances were acts of respect. They saw it as respect for us. And that really mattered to us. Because we wanted them to know that we respected them and their role in their service to the church. But guess what else? Nobody hated me because I didn't go to the rest of their parties. Nobody thought less of me. And in fact, when we told them what the reason was, they ended up respecting us in the end. This morning as we close, I want to show you a few things on the screen. These are things that we value and find important. Friendships. Romantic relationships, children, extended family, religious and spiritual beliefs, 
volunteering or helping people, career, money, taking care of physical health, having a sense of purpose, leisure activities, pleasing people and keeping everybody happy, and education. We're going to leave this up on the screen for about 30 minutes, and I'm not going to speak. I know you're shocked about that. And I want you to read through these things, and I want you to pick out five that really matter to you. Five things on the screen that really matter to you. Take a few moments and do that. And now I ask you, is that where you spend your time? And is that where you put your energy? If your answer is yes, then congratulations. You're not really falling into the trap of people-pleasing. If the answer is no, then perhaps we all have a little soul-searching to do. What I think we will find when we stop trying to please other people and we start living into who God has called us to be, is that the world will not end. We won't be unloved. Remember, the impact is never as great as we fear it will be. And, you know, integrity and popularity are not the same thing. Being a person of integrity is a whole lot more important than being a person of popularity. The closing story I want to share with you today is uh, one that is pretty leveling for me. I was the associate pastor at Williamson's Chapel, and every year, every year in my year-end evaluation, it would say, needs to quit worrying about making other people happy every single year. I tried really hard to work on it, but again, if you're a pastor, you're in the people-pleasing business, and I didn't really understand what they were saying until I found myself in that situation where I had a foot in both sides or on both sides of the fence. There was a United Methodist women's circle, and it had grown and grown and grown, and it was really larger than uh, some thought it needed to be, so because I was the woman and the pastor, or one of the pastors, they came to me, and they said they wanted to change the circle, and they wanted to give birth to a new circle, and I thought, oh my gosh, what a great idea, we're going to multiply ministry, how wonderful, that's not what everybody thought. Apparently, change is, is hard, and, and so I jumped on this change bandwagon and didn't do the right steps that needed to be done to bring everybody on board with the change, or at least the majority. And so before long, I had another phone call on the other end saying, what in the world are y'all doing? You are going to kill the circle, blah, 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 and it was, it was bad. Little did I know that there had been some inner turmoil going on and because anytime you're dealing with people, there's always, you know, personalities and passions and, and so two of the women, that they were sort of at odds at each other. I didn't know that and lo and behold, of course, the ones that I had talked to were the two leaders and I had told them both, I thought they both had a great idea. They did have a great idea, but they weren't both feasible in this situation. It was a bad 
bad couple of months. Um, there was a lot of personal stuff going on outside of the circle thing that I wasn't aware of. And it just, it got pretty icky. And then we had to have this big meeting. And my pastor, my mentor said, you get to lead it. And you have to facilitate it. And you all have to choose. My soul knew what was important. I mean, we had values as as a church and we knew that multiplying ministry was important and this new thing needed to be birthed out of this old thing. And it didn't mean that, you know, it was a split or a divide or people were angry. It just meant that, you know, we needed to breathe some new life into new ministry. I couldn't eat for weeks. I ended up having a car accident one morning on the way to work because my mind was so distracted. Uh, it was the day before this big meeting that was going to take place in the chapel. And, and I just, my mind was 10,000 other places. And I literally, I wasn't distracted. I wasn't doing the radio. Uh, I just drove right into the car in front of me on Lake Norman or on 150 in the Lake Norman High School traffic. That night, we stood in the chapel, and we prayed, and then everybody sat down, and it was a little like this. They're all looking at me, and I'm like, oh. And I knew I had to tell the truth and say what, you know, we felt like was best for the church. I was so nervous that after that, I'd lose friends, and uh, we'd end up splitting, you know, things. And so I just said, you know, what I really felt like God had laid on my heart and that new life and new ministries are important to the church. And so we would be birthing a new circle and we'd still be supporting the existing circle and about 20 women would move and go do this and all that kind of stuff and then we prayed. At the end, I stood up front and you know, I just waited to see what was gonna happen And you know, the thing that happened that I'll never, ever forget, and it's part of why I do try not to be so much of a people pleaser today, is the people who disagreed with me the most were the first ones that came up to me and said, I don't agree, but I respect you for making the decision. Integrity is more important than popularity. And when the staff come to me or some of you come to me and you're facing family situations and you say, I don't know what to do, I say, look, God didn't make everybody happy and they killed Jesus. Their eyes get real big. I don't think they really like that answer because that's not, you know, an easy answer. But we're never promised that life is supposed to be easy. And we are promised that the worst things are never the last things. So sometimes we, make, we have to make hard decisions. And sometimes we aren't popular. But God's always got our back in the end. Let us pray. Gracious God, you do show us what it means not to be a people pleaser. Jesus said, wipe the dust off the bottom of your feet and go on your way if they're not ready to receive the message that, God, you have called us to give. God, we do live in a society where approval, addiction is real. We want people to like us. We want people to be happy. But that's not, that's not how it works. 
So this morning, as we all wrestle with people pleasing in our own way, or we may know someone that wrestles with it, God, I just ask that you breathe into us power and self-confidence and let us know that you do always have our back and you will help us not be people pleasers as we go through life. In Christ's name, amen. So as you're leaving today, we invite you to check out the Uganda tree. Pastor Jeffrey is building the the permanent school structure, and we're going to be a part of that with the Uganda tree and the leaves. So I invite you to check that out as you go. And we also are beginning a ministry with the soup kitchen. So if you have some time on Friday and you want to help us cook at the soup kitchen, that's the Mooresville ministry that feeds the hungry. Uh, West is going to have a day there every other month. But the most important thing I want you to walk away with today is this. Proverbs 29, 25 says, those who fear the approval of others are trapped but those who trust God are secure. May we all go and may we all trust God and live in that security that know that God always has our back. Go in peace. Amen.